Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Go ahead and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My goodness, man, I, I get caught up in that song. I forget what's about to happen next. That is, that is, that's probably my favorite worship song. I love that song. I think the, the lyrics, the writers did such a wonderful job of, of painting a picture of what Christianity is all about. It's a beautiful exchange. Jesus exchanged his life for ours. He exchanged his victory for our failure. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I just love that song. I'm glad to see you here this morning. Welcome to Revealing Truth Ministries, St. Pete. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The best church this side of the bridge. Amen. Amen. If you doubt that, all you got to do is look to your left, look to your right. The people that are near you, they are, we're proof. We're proof of the, the, the strength, the goodness of this church, because we're some faithful people who love God, who've yielded ourselves to be used by God. Whatever God is about, that's what we want to be about. Amen? Amen. That's good news. Go ahead and hug the person next to you. Let them know that you're excited about seeing them this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't be seated just yet. I want to I want to do something that may just include everybody in here, but I want to start by praying for heads of households. Heads of households. So, if you're a head of a household, I want you to I want you to 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 well everybody can remain standing, but um this prayer is for heads of households. You know we just um finished our um, 2018 Renewed Family Conference last week. Wow, it was, um, not only was it impactful, but it was a lot of fun too, wasn't it? And uh, so, so, just, so just join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your great grace. We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Father, we thank you that you are our leader. You instituted leadership. And right now we lift up every head of house, every leader of a household. Father, we pray for them. We speak courage, boldness. We speak fruitfulness. We thank you for harvest that's already available. We thank you for the finished work of Jesus. We thank you for your glory. That is your goodness manifested in their lives. We thank you, Father, that your spirit is on the inside of them and every believer. Your spirit leads and guides them in all truth. Your spirit leads them, teaches them how to deal wisely. Your spirit gives the answer because your spirit is on the inside of these individuals. There is no dark place. There is no great darkness because you are a light unto our path. Thank you, Father, that you give direction. You give clarity. You give vision. You give insight. Thank you, Father, that they can see Clearly, your spirit, your word says that the spirit of God on the inside of us will show us things to come. So there are no surprises except for good ones. 
because we see around corners, amen. We can see what is coming. And you've already given provision for every need. And we are grateful. I call these people blessed. I call them prosperous. Everything that they put their hands to prospers supernaturally, supernatural abundance, supernatural provision, supernatural insight, supernatural favor. They have favor with employers, favor with landowners, property developers. They have favor with clients and customers, favor on their jobs, favor in their businesses, favor in their community. Thank you that your light, your glory is upon them. Your presence can be seen in their lives. We declare these things as the redeemed of the Lord and what we say shall be so. Every believer shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can go ahead and have your seat. Thank you, Lord. God is good. God is good. Today we're going to talk about deep roots and lots of fruit. Amen. Deep roots and lots of fruit. You know, um, we have an assignment here in Pinellas County to, to build leaders and make disciples. That's what disciples do. Disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus, those who are students of Jesus, those who learn of Jesus make disciples. Not only are they disciples, but they make disciples. Jesus taught his disciples how to make disciples. One of the steps in their development was not only do I want you, Jesus said to them, not only do I want you to come and see, but then I want to make you fishers of men. He said, I want not only, the the scripture, we'll read it. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just go ahead. (laughs) But I'm excited. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We're going to start in in Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, uh, starting at verse number 3. I'm going to read this from the Easy Reader Version. The reason I'm reading it from the Easy Reader Version is because it just sounds more familiar to us, the way that it is worded. Amen. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse number 3. This is what it says. It says, listen. This is Jesus talking. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, listen. A farmer went out to sow seed. That's what farmers do, right? While he was scattering the seed, some of it fell by the road. Another translation says it fell on the path or it fell on the wayside. The birds came and ate all that seed. Other seed fell on rocky ground where there was not enough dirt. Dirt in this parable, dirt represents relationship. Dirt represents relationship. As we go through this parable, understand this. There's nothing wrong with the farmer. As we start to see how the different seed grows and how the different seed comes up, and we start, as we start to see how the seed responds to the soil, understand that there's nothing wrong with the farmer. The farmer is doing what a farmer should do. The farmer is scattering seed. Okay, it says other seed fell on rocky ground where there was not enough dirt. One of the things Pastor Brian pulled out during the family conference, he talked about, um, you know, when you're when you're building on something, not only is it important to focus, we'd like to focus on the foundation. 
but there's a process that happens before the foundation is even considered. Is the ground good enough to hold and support what you're about to build? So the inspectors and those people, the property developers, they inspect the soil. They inspect the soil. Understand that there's a process in making sure that, well, let me say it like this. That only a certain type of soil will produce harvest. You can sow good seed in, if you sow good seed in the desert, it will not grow. The seed is good. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the farmer sowing the seed, but the dirt isn't prepared for that seed. You have to have some prepared soil. Amen. Glory to God. So there's not enough dirt. I I think in this verse, this verse, dirt can represent relationships. Sometimes there's not enough equity in the relationship. Sometimes there's not enough. The relationship isn't deep enough to hold what's about to be sown into it or develop what's going into that relationship. You understand? Okay. In this case, we're talking about where we can refer this to a relationship with Jesus. Okay. Sometimes there's just not enough. There's not enough relationship developed even in your relationship with Jesus that when life happens, we've seen some people who the scripture in Ephesians says that some people are just tossed to and fro. Why? Because they don't have enough equity in their relationship with Jesus. That relationship just isn't deep enough. They, well, well, we'll talk about that later. It grew quickly there because the soil was not deep. But then the sun rose, the sun rose, the sun rising represents life, right? The life is going to happen. The sun is going to rise. You can't pray away the sun. You can't pray away. We can't pray. You cannot pray trouble away. You can, but you waste your time. Trouble is going to come. Jesus said trouble is going to come. Persecution is going to come. In this life, you will have persecution. Transgressions, difficult situations will arise. Being saved or being a Christian doesn't mean that you skip all the bad stuff. What you've done, you just change your position in the bad stuff. Even though Noah found favor in the Lord's eyes, the rain still came. The benefit for Noah was that he had an ark to be in. It's raining on the outside, but on the inside, I'm on the inside of this ark. See, it's going to be raining on the outside, but I am inside my ark. My personal ark is Christ. I'm in Christ. So it can rain on the outside. The rain is going to come. But because I'm in Christ, all is well with me. Amen. Amen. All is well. So it grew quickly there because the soil was not deep. But then the sun rose, life or trouble came, and the plants were burnt up. So what began to sprout was scorched. Because trouble came, right? There was no depth in that relationship. They died because they did not have deep roots. Say deep roots. Deep roots roots produce a lot of fruit. Deep roots produce a lot of fruit. Verse 7 says this. Some other seed fell among thorny weeds. The weeds grew and stopped the good plants from growing. Weeds represent distractions we choose. Weeds represent distractions that we choose, right? So some fell amongst thorny weeds. The weeds grew and stopped the good plants from growing. 
Weeds represent distractions we choose so they did not make grain. But some of the seed fell on good ground. Good ground is prepared, a mind that is prepared to receive seed. That's good ground, a heart that is prepared to be shaped and molded and and taught and disciplined. That's good ground. Right. Sometimes, maybe even most of the time, we're being developed as good ground. We don't even know it. I think about when I when I when, you know, when I I know, you know, the scripture says that he first loved us. We didn't first love him. There's a process where we receive his love. Right. When I received his love, when I received Jesus into my life, I didn't know that that because of life happening, I was being molded to receive him at that time. Same thing for you. Prior to you receiving him into your life, life was shaping you so that when the introduction came or the invitation came, you were ready to receive. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was ready to receive deliverance because life had shaped me. I was it was like, thank you, Lord, you saved me from this mess that I've been dealing with. You understand what I'm saying? So a a good soil is a prepared heart a prepared mind, a prepared heart, a heart that's ready to receive different, a heart that's ready to receive change, a mind that is open to a new way of doing things, a new way to live. You get that? Okay. So, but some seed fell on good ground. Good ground is prepared. Good ground represents a mind that's prepared to receive. There it began to grow and it made grain. Some plants made 30 times more grain, some 60 times more, and some 100 times more. Now, the difference in the, um, um, the harvest or the yield, the 60 or the 30 to 60 to 100, the only difference is time. So you don't have to worry, in my 30, if I'm 30, I want to be 60, or if I'm 60, I want to be 100. No, the only difference is the time, the time spent. All you got to do to get to 100 is keep on going. Stick with it. Amen. Glory to God. God isn't, you know, Jesus is a just God. God is a just God. God isn't, he doesn't have any favoritism. He hasn't favored somebody with 30 and, and or favored somebody with 60 and left you with 30 or favored other people with 100 and left you at 30. No, God is a just God. All you got to do is keep going. His desire is that everybody yield maximum yield. Amen. 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 Just keep going. Go ahead and say that. Just keep going. Amen. Amen. Now, let me skip to verse 13. Mark 4, verse 13, it says this. Then Jesus said to the followers, do you understand this story? If you don't, how you understand any story? Hmm. That's a message in itself. He says, the farmer is like someone who plants God's teaching in people. The farmer is like someone who plants God's teaching in people. There's nothing wrong with a person planting the, te- the teaching. Y'all get that on your way home. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the word. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Okay? Amen. He says... The follower or the the uh, the farmer is like someone who plants God's teaching in people. Sometimes the teaching falls on the path. You know, you've, you've heard me talk about that before. I believe the path is is traditional thought. When that seed falls against your traditional routine way of thinking, it won't produce. Why? Because your traditions make the word of God a non-effect. 
Your tradition choke out the word of God. You won't receive the new thing that God wants to do because the old thing you believe in pushes it out, pushes it out the way. That makes sense. Okay, so he says some of the seed falls on the path, that pathway in your mind, that traditional way that you think. Okay, And he says that is like some people who hear the teaching of God. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the teaching that was planted in them. How does Satan have enough authority to do that? Because he's already been preparing it. How can think about it? How can Satan come in a believer's life and take the word? How does that happen? It's because before you even became a believer, Satan was already working. He was already laying a pathway in your mind so that all when seed hit that pathway, it it hit against your traditional thinking. The idea is not that Satan came is, is in here right now, you know, jacking you for the word that's being sown in you right now. No, there's ways that you think already that when new word or new thought is introduced and uh, put up against your old way of thinking, that's where the challenge is. Amen. Okay? So how do, we, how do we trump that, or how do, we, how do we combat that? The way that you combat that is to come, you, every time you come before um, um, someone giving a message, or you sit down and hear a word of God, you already have in mind that's open to receive what God is saying. You've already prepared your heart with expectation that God is going to say something to me right now. That's how you combat that. I'm expecting to hear something that's going to change me. I'm expecting to hear something that's going to challenge me. I'm expecting to hear something that's going to move me further into what God has called me to do. That's my expectation when I came. So when it happens, I'm ready to receive. I've prepared my ground. Amen. So they hear the teaching. Let's see. Um, As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the teaching that was planted in them. Verse 16 says, other people are like the seed planted on rocky ground. They hear the teaching. They quickly and gladly accept it, but they don't allow it to go deep into their lives. See, some people are like are in the water, but holding on to the wall. You know, you're in the pool, you're in the water, but you ain't really swimming because you're holding on to the wall. (laughs) You know what I mean? Some people, some people haven't released the wall to get into the deep. You're really not enjoying the benefits of being in this pool because you're stuck by the steps. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, you're wet. You're wet just like I'm wet. But my experience is a little different from your experience because I'm free to move away from the wall. I'm actually in the deep. Do you understand what I'm saying? You got you to free yourself to move in the deep. You got to free yourself to move in the deep. Tell the person next to you, let go of the wall. What does that wall represent? The wall represents your security and your safety. The wall represents the things that you're still holding on to because you're familiar with it. You understand that? But we having a pool party and we in the pool having a good time. We playing water polo, Marco Polo. We playing water volleyball and having a good time in the pool. And you stuck on the wall. Come on in the water and enjoy yourself with the rest of us. Let go of the wall. So he talk about he says he says that there's there are certain people, the seed of the word is planted in them. But because they they didn't allow it to go deep into their lives, they never got into the deep. 
This is referring to the relationship that they're developing with Jesus. Yes, you're saved and you, you know, you, you, you've chosen him. You, you put yourself in a position of a believer. You say that you believe that Jesus is the son of God. You believe in his life. You believe in his death. You believe in his resurrection. But you're holding on to the familiar. He's trying to move you further into this supernatural, spiritual faith life and you're holding on to what's familiar because it secures you. Now, the thing about security, that type of security is that there are things that you're secure in that you know ain't even good for you. There's some stuff that you're holding on to that you really, truth be told, you tired of living the way that you've been living, but because you're so familiar with it, you hold on to it. Because you're afraid to step out into what you don't know, you rather hold on to the trouble that you do know. Come on, all of us been there before. There's some relationships with people that we stayed in far too long only because I'm familiar with this mess. <laughs> and I'm afraid to go out there and see what other mess is out there. Right? But we have to divorce that type of thinking when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Understand? I mean, look at the disciples that he called. All of them had other things going on. They could have stayed in what they were familiar with. But all they had was a hope and an expectation that this man, this, the, people, the person we believe to be the Messiah, has greater for us. So they were willing to let go of what they had in order to gain what they believed was coming. And then Jesus told them in this process, Jesus told them that, listen, no man has left house or mother or father or brother or sister or lands for my sake and the gospels and will not receive a hundredfold in this time. See, that's the promise for those that let go. You let go of the familiar to gain the much more. Amen. 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 There's another story in the Old Testament where, where a man, a prophet, his name was Elisha. He was being called into ministry. Um, in order to do that, he had to let go of what he had. Elisha had a business. He was a, he was a farmer. He had some things going on. The first time the man of God came to him to move him further into his, into his purpose, he didn't want to go. He got ready to go and said, hold on, before I go with you, there's some stuff I need to take care of. He ran back home. Right? He ran back to the familiar. And the same thing happens in our journey with Jesus. So, you know, he's inviting us to go further. He's inviting us to go further. And all of us have that temptation to hold on to what's familiar. And some of us even, you know, by our own self-efforts and maybe by a little faith, we've moved into a place that's better than where we were. And we're just grateful that we're not what we used to be. And I found it to this safe place. And really, truth be told, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. I found this nice, comfortable place and I can just chill out and coast and ride it out from here. Truth be told, I mean, where we are right now, I mean, this is a lot better than where we used to be. And truth be told, I can just I can I'm good with just relaxing right here. But our God is not that type of God. Just not. Our God is growing. Our God is expanding. Our God is always thinking, always growing, always expanding, always pushing and pushing and pushing all the time. God has increased for you. Wants you to increase, wants you to experience new things. There's there's aspects of God that you haven't even experienced yet. And the only way that you will is if you let go of the wall. Let the seed go down deep. There are things about you that you don't even know. 
and you won't know until you let go of the wall. When you let go of the wall, you realize that you already knew how to swim. I was watching a video. See, I take um, Mackenzie to the pool. She likes to be in the water. She's learning how to swim. She hasn't learned how to swim yet, but she likes to be in the water. And um, I watched a video, and you've seen the videos where, man, they got one-year-olds who's swimming. Never had a lesson. Just put in the water, and they already know what to do. I was watching this one-year-old baby swim to 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 the edge, swim to the steps. Under the water, swimming. I already know how to hold my breath. It's already in me. It's already in me. But life happens to us, and life causes us to develop these fears and anxieties. And now, here we are. You knew how to swim when you were one, and maybe even before that. But now you're 25 years old, and you forgot what you already know. So next time you get in the water, you want to hold on to the wall. Right? But you already know how to swim. It's already in you. See, this life with Christ is the same way. It's already in you. And when you receive Jesus to lord over your life, his spirit moved on the inside of you and everything that you need. The scripture says that he's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's already given me everything for my success here on this earth, my life, and he's already given me everything for my spiritual success and godliness. I already got it on the inside. Amen. 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 It's already in you. You just got to trust the one that's working in you. Amen. Glory to God. It says they keep it only for a short time. As soon as trouble or persecution comes because of the teaching, they accept it. They give up. I want to read that part again. Oh, my goodness. Did y'all hear that? They keep it only for a short time. As soon as trouble or persecution comes, why does the trouble, why does the persecution come? What does it say? Because of the word, because of the teaching they accepted. You mean to tell me that trouble comes because of the word that I'm receiving? You mean to tell me that there's trouble There's persecution. There are things that are going to happen because of what I understand now, because of the things that I'm learning as a disciple of Christ. Trouble is going to come. That's what the word says. That's what Jesus told his disciples. There's trouble that comes because of the word that you've received. It's always harder to swim upstream. It's always harder to swim against the current. There's a current to the world. There's a current to this life. And it's real easy to fall back. uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 from the Amplified says that without even thinking, you've fallen back into the current and the flow of this world without even thinking about it. Right. And it's always difficult to swim or to roll against the current. Right. There's trouble that's going to come because you're going against the current. There's trouble that's going to come because you're cutting against the grain. Right? You've put yourself in a place by accepting Jesus as Lord of your life. You've set yourself in a different way. The scripture says Jesus described it as, you know, there's a broad path. You've set yourself in a narrow path. 
by putting yourself in a position, putting yourself in Christ and having Christ Lord over your life, you've already put yourself in the minority. The flow of the world is going against you. You understand that? The scripture says that the world loves their own. Their systems are set up in their favor. You put yourself in a position of of having Christ lord over you or shepherd you. You've put yourself against the world system, their way of doing things. Right? The way Pastor Poe used to say is that you declared war. (laughs) You declare war on the devil. You declare war on the enemy by saying that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. So don't be surprised when somebody's shooting at you. Don't be surprised when there's darts coming at you. You've declared war. Amen. Amen. But Jesus said, that's okay. Jesus told his disciples, don't worry about that. Don't fear that. Because I've already overcome all of that. And because he won a victory, we have victory. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Amen. Why? Because our conqueror already conquered and we just enjoy the spoils. I say life is just one big victory lap. I'm already a winner. Amen. Amen. I walk through this life victorious. I walk through this life a winner. I walk this life as an overcomer. I'm already he's already set me on top. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So I don't have to worry or fret or be fearful about trouble. I know how to trouble trouble. Amen. I've got an understanding and I've realized that when trouble and difficulty come, all it's like is like I'm in the gym and I'm 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 just just the workout for the day. Amen. I'm going to come out on top. Just get me a little workout right now. So every time the enemy sends some trouble my way, he know what I'm going to do. So he think twice about it. Man, I send trouble his way. He's just going to come out stronger. I might as well leave him alone. That's all trouble is. It's a workout. It's an opportunity for me to develop my relationship with God. It's an opportunity for me to do what I've been empowered to do already. It's an opportunity to win. It's an opportunity for victory. It's an opportunity for, I say it like this, it's an opportunity for grace to be put on display. Glory to God. That's all it is. That's what trouble is. Trouble is an opportunity for God to come through for me. Trouble is an opportunity for heaven to come to this earth. Trouble is an opportunity for me to see some supernatural manifestation. That's all it is. That's all the challenge is. Bring it. Hallelujah. We get to see some supernatural things happen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My goodness. Trouble is not an indication of failure. It's an indication of development. Trouble isn't an indication of failure. It's an indication of development. Do you understand that? Renew your mind to that. Okay? We don't have to be fearful or fretful when challenge comes. I don't have to be in fear on a good day because I know a bad day is coming. I don't have to live my life like that. Trouble is not an indication of failure. It's an indication of development. Convictions are forged in the heat of trouble. Convictions, conviction, what is my uh, conviction? A conviction is a belief. 
It's a, it's, a, it's a resolute belief. I have resolved some things in my life. I'm not wishy-washy on this. I'm not wishy-washy on whether or not God is a healer. Trouble came in a form of sickness. I believed God to be a healer and he healed me. Now I have conviction that God is a healer. Right? Conviction is forged in the heat of trouble. When them three boys, three Hebrew boys went into that fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Remember the story? Three Hebrew boys, they were challenged. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, said, listen, from now on, well, his, he, he, was, he was persuaded by his, his council to build this statue and, and, and make a rule saying that everybody had to bow down and worship this image. And, um, you know, this is when Israel, the people of God, were captive to Babylon. And, they, and the people said, or um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, listen, I hear what you're saying, king. We're not bowing. Right? And, the, and some folks who were jealous of them set them up, and, and they got called before the king. And the king didn't want to do it because he knew that these boys had favor on them. But he said, listen, if you're not bowing, we're going to put you in this furnace because we've made it a law. This is the punishment. This is the penalty for not bowing. And um, so they said, hey, listen, we believe our God is able to deliver us. We're not bowing. And even if he don't deliver us, we're not bowing. Right. So Nebuchadnezzar tried to intimidate them by turning up the flames even hotter. Why would you do that? It's already hot. You make the fire hotter. I mean, how do you make fire hotter? You know what I mean? It's already hot enough to burn you. What's the point of making it hotter? But he wanted to intimidate them to change their stance. And they said, listen, put us in this fire and we just we just going to die. Either God's going to save us or we're going to die. But our conviction is that our God is God and we're going to worship him. So he put them in a furnace. Put them in the furnace. You know the story. Nebuchadnezzar is looking in the furnace and saying, listen, wait, 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 hold on. Now, we threw three people in the furnace. Why do I see four? And the fourth looks like an angel, looks like the son of God, the son of man, right? We know what happened. The son of man stepped in there and said, I got you, boys. Don't worry about this. And the Bible says that they came out of that furnace not even smelling like smoke. Now, if they had a conviction before going in, what do you think happened when they came out? Fire forges conviction. Trouble forges conviction. See, for a believer, when trouble happens, when trouble passes, you should believe even the more. See, there's some situations where you might have to use the testimony of other people. See, I believe God is a provider because I heard my grandma talking about how he provided for her and he provided when we were little and he provided for my mom and he provided for my daddy. But then when lack comes to my house and I use their testimony to strengthen me and I come out on the other end supplied, now my conviction is forged even more, strengthened even more because now I know for myself that God is a provider. You see that? I used to have to borrow other people's testimony, but now I got a testimony of my own. My conviction is forged in fire. I don't worry about trouble. Right? I've learned how to be trouble for some trouble. Right? Trouble trouble have trouble coming to my house. Because they know all this boy's going to do is work out. We ain't trying to get them to be no stronger. Right? I could care less. 
What's the worst that can happen? I die? Well, praise the Lord. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. I look forward to heaven anyway. Glory to God. Ain't afraid of nothing. Ain't worried about nothing. Ain't worried about Jack, Jill, or the hill. (laughs) Humpty, Dumpty, or the stupid wall. (laughs) Glory to God. Ain't worried about nothing. My God is a thorough God. He's a complete God. He's got me covered all the way. Glory to God. I, I understand the truth that this what you see in front of you, this ain't even the real me. I'm a spirit man. I just live in this body, borrowing it for a little while. When I'm done with it, it's going to go back to where it came from, and I'm going to go back to where I came from. Amen. Glory to God. Ain't worried about no trouble. Amen. Conviction is like a weapon. Conviction is like a weapon. Conviction is like a sword, like a steel sword. Steel is stronger after it's been in the fire. Then the scripture says in verse 18, others are like the seed planted planted among the thorny weeds. They hear the teaching, but their lives become full of other things, worries of this life, the love of money and everything else they want. See, many people are still looking for what they want. Many people get distracted by, by what they want because they haven't prayed or heard what God wants for them. Many people are distracted from what God wants to do in their lives because they're busy trying to get what they want. There are things that God wants for you. And I I encourage all of you to pray that prayer. When have you ever asked God, God, what do you want for me? God, how wealthy do you want me to be? You set up your own number. You came up with your own number, whatever way you came up with your number, the arbitrary way or whatever, because of your own desires or whatever. But have you ever asked God, God, how wealthy do you want me to be? He knows. He knows it's according to your purpose. Your your prosperity and your purpose are tied together. He knows exactly how much wealth you need to have to do what he's called you to do. Right? Right? But your wants can distract you from what he wants for you. Verse 20 says, and others are like the seed planted on the good ground. They hear the teaching and accept it. Then they grow and produce a good crop, sometimes 30 times more, sometimes 60 times more, sometimes 100 times more. The harvest from the good soil is only dependent upon the time. Give it more time. Give it more time. Amen. Give it more time. Luke 2 verse, Luke 10 verse 2. Luke 10 verse 2. This is what it says. This is Jesus talking again. He said to them, there is such a big harvest of people to bring in. There's such a big harvest of people to bring in. If he said it, obviously the disciples didn't see it. Just like they missed it, we miss it too. 
the, from the other parable, even when we see weeds, understand this, weeds are a sign that things are growing. <laughs> things, in the natural, you have a garden, you got weeds in your garden, you, with some weeds and them flowers growing too. They're just growing up together at the same time. Weeds are a sign. The stuff that you don't want in your life is a sign that stuff, something is growing. Sometimes we miss, what I'm trying to say is, sometimes we miss the harvest because we're busy looking at the weeds. Weeds are a sign that something's growing. The soil is producing. Look past the weeds and you see the harvest. Ask your neighbor, what are you focused on? Sometimes people focus so much on what's not going right that they miss what is going right. You focused on what you want not happening that you miss what God wants for you coming to pass. I bet there's people in here who was focused on a, a certain job and you were missing that God was trying to get you the job. Amen. That happened to me recently. There was an opportunity that came to me in the, in the school system that a supervisor in the school system brought to me. And I was like, this is perfect, and this is favorable. I mean, you got a person that's in the office in Largo bringing me a position. I'm like, this is it. This is definitely God, right? And, and I did what I needed to do to apply and pursue this position, and I was ready to dig my heels in and get it. I know how to dig my heels in and get, get after something if I believe it's for me. So I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to roll my sleeves up and do what I need to do to get this position, and all the while, God is working out my life purpose. Oh, my goodness. See, sometimes stuff you want get in the way of what God wants for you. My yeah. God, you got to be able to know the difference. See, sometimes weeds distract you from a harvest. Because if you look at this passage, if you look at this parable, you look at what's happening. The disciples were too busy with what was happening. And they, they, took, they saw what was happening as negative that they couldn't see the good that was happening. God, Jesus said, listen, the harvest is great. I don't know what y'all looking at. I see harvest. God is looking at your life and he's saying the same thing. I don't know what you're busy looking at, but when I look at your life, I see harvest. But there are only a few workers, the scripture says, there are only a few workers to help harvest them. God owns the harvest. Ask him to send more workers to help bring in his harvest. See, we spend all of our time praying for harvest. We make confessions about harvest. But Jesus said the harvest is already here. What you need to pray for is workers. Oh, shoot. Here comes a shift. You ready for it? What you need to know is about to bounce up against what you think you already know. Here it is. Jesus says, you've been praying for harvest. Harvest is already here. What you need to pray for is workers. Because there are no workers, how much of the harvest dies on the vine? Harvest is already present. Harvest is already here. 
it is already harvest time. Because Jesus finished the work, harvest time is perpetual in the life of a believer. It is always harvest time. The fruit hang low in the grace life. What does that mean? It's always ready and available for the picking. The fruit hang low in the grace life. Harvest is always available. The wisdom Jesus is giving is that you don't have to pray about harvest. You need to pray about workers. How much of the harvest dies on the vine because there are no workers? In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, God says the grass isn't growing, the harvest isn't coming yet because I don't have a worker. When he put a worker, when he put Adam in the garden, it produced. We need to pray for workers, for laborers. Harvest is available. We need somebody to reap. We need the reapers to come in. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is a statement of observation. This isn't there's some things that Jesus said. A lot of what Jesus said, we can establish as spiritual law. We can establish it as this is what we need to live by. We can establish it as a principle. This is a statement of observation. What I'm saying is that Jesus said it not in that this is the way that it needs to be all the time. But this is the observation. I am, Jesus is observing that the harvest is plentiful. What you're lacking is workers. That don't mean that we always have to be in that position. That means that when we get wise to what Jesus is saying, we pray to the Lord of harvest that he sends workers to reap the harvest that's already available. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, I'm going to read this from the Amplified. It says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and in all keen insight, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. He says that your love, the manifestation of the fruit of your love, is that you can discern some things rightly or you understand some things rightly. So Paul, he's saying that I want your love, your love to manifest in a way that you, you, you understand what's important and what's not important, okay? That your love display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment or understanding so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital or what is important and approve and prive what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences and that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless so that with heart sincere and uncertain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ, not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. This is this is Paul is expounding on the same lesson that Jesus is teaching his disciples. You're standing here complaining about harvest, and I'm showing you that the harvest is already ready. 
You're praying and you're wanting things to come in that are already made available to you. You've got your focus on the wrong thing. Paul comes in and says, I pray that your love may grow so that you understand what's really important. In a time where you're praying and believing God or hustling and trying to get to your harvest, God is saying that your harvest is already available. What you need to be praying for is workers. What you need to be praying for is more disciplined people to come and help reap the harvest that's already available. What I'm saying to you is that God has already set Everything that you need for your life, everything that pertains to your life, everything that pertains to your godliness, everything that pertains to your purpose, your prosperity, your health, your strength, every provision, every relationship, every bit of wisdom, every bit of knowledge, every bit of understanding, all of it has already been packaged in your life's purpose. The reason we miss it is because with undeveloped love, we focus on the wrong thing. So while we're busy in the weeds, we miss the harvest that's already there. Amen. Yeah. So I'm not praying for harvest that's already there. I'm praying for harvesters. I'm praying for reapers. I'm praying for people to be dis- disciplined and become discipled so that they can see what's really important. When you set your mind on what's important to God, what's important to God manifest in your life. Everything that you want, he has already prepared for you. It's already there. It's already there. Your prosperity and your purpose are tied together. They're packaged together. Ephesians 2.10, the good work he made for you and the good life he has for you are tied together. All you have to do is set yourself on the path that he's already prepared and the provision he's already prepared will meet you on the road. It's already there. Let me correct myself. It's already here. It's already here. It's already here. It's already here. The scripture says that as you desire, as you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. The Amplified says that he will give you the desires and even the secret petitions of your heart. What your heart really wants. Delight yourself in the Lord and you'll get what you really want, not what you figured out or thought up in your mind, not what you've been seduced through advertisement and marketing, not the seductions of this world, not what the Joneses got. And you think you want you want it because the Jones got it. No, no, no. He says, I'm going to give you what you really want if you delight yourself in me. Scripture says that I'll give you a life worth living. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, man. I don't don't know what you're thinking about, but this is good to me. (laughs) This is good news. This is good news. This is good news. Glory to God. 
Ephesians chapter 1 says this, starting at verse number 15 from the Amplified, it says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, the people of God, I do not seek to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. But I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into the mysteries and secrets and the deep and intimate knowledge of him, the knowledge of Christ, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. Why do we want our eye, why do we want our heart flooded with light? So that we can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. Well, what is this hope to which he has called us? This hope is how rich is his glorious inheritance in us, in the set apart ones. So the hope that we should have is in the, in the inheritance. I'm hoping for the inheritance. My hope is in the inheritance. My hope is that as a believer, as a child of God, as an heir, I get I have a right to the same thing Jesus has right to. And it says in verse 19, so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe that same power that was demonstrated which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That same resurrection power when he raised Jesus from the dead. Now understand this, that Jesus, that whole raising Jesus from the dead, in that, packaged in that, that, that statement is all the shame, all the guilt, the separation from God, all of that is represented there in Jesus, in Jesus' death. Jesus' death represents torment. It represents pain. It represents separation from God. It represents separation from, from, from the creator, from the father, sickness and disease and sin. And all of those things are represented in his death. He also includes all that's represented in his resurrection. Yeah, resurrected life. And that's wonderful. I have resurrected life, but I got resurrected purpose. Everything that God intended for me in the beginning, when I was in the Garden of Delight, all of that has been resurrected back into my life. That is my inheritance. So that's where my hope is. As I gain more knowledge of Christ, as I gain more knowledge of, 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 of what he means and who he is and his purpose for my life, because I'm a disciple, I am a learner, I am a student, as I understand my master, as I understand my teacher, As a student, all of these things, I understand my inheritance. I have hope in what I've inherited. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Okay, I'm going to run through this. Go to John chapter 15. Hallelujah. Say, I'm connected to Christ. John 15 is a awesome illustration most of you are familiar with us being vines and grafted into the branch right i want you to we're going to i'm going to focus in on the progression how this how this how things are developed right and starting at verse number 1 it says jesus said i am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit 
He also trims every branch that produces fruit to prepare it to produce even more. See, God has increase on his mind. You show a little fruit, he's going to prune, trim it so he can produce more fruit. You've already been prepared to produce more fruit by the teaching I have given you. I'm saying the same thing to you. You've already been prepared to produce more fruit by the teaching I am giving you. You're prepared to produce more. Go ahead and say that. I'm prepared to produce more deep roots and lots of fruit. You have already been prepared to produce more fruit by the teaching I have given you. Stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. It reminds me of the scripture that says that if you abide in me, I, am by, I abide in you. Jesus says that if you're my disciples indeed, you continue in my word. Those of you that continue in the word, you're my disciples indeed. Uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says that when we continue to behold as if we're looking in the mirror, we will be transformed into his image. What is it saying? You continue to look in the mirror of the word. And when you continue to look in the word, you continue to look in the word, you'll be developed and transformed into his image. He's saying the same thing right here. He's saying the same thing right here. Abide in me. I abide in you. Continue with me. Continue with me. And you'll produce fruit. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you stay joined to me and I to you, you'll produce plenty of fruit. But separated from me, you won't be able to do anything. Look at the progression. First you have no fruit. Then you have fruit. Then you have more fruit. Then you have the much fruit. The Father's desire is that every disciple bears much fruit. When the student is fully trained, he or she becomes like the teacher. Verse 7 says, stay joined together with me and follow my teachings. If you do this, you can ask for anything you want and it will be given to you. Well, what's the, what's the principle behind that? When, you are, when you've aligned your life up to his purpose, you ask for anything and he'll give it to you. Why? Because it's according to his purpose. Same thing that's said in Proverbs 16. When you um, roll yourself, roll your life or commit your life to the Lord. He says that he'll make your thoughts, he'll make your plans line up to his will. He'll make your plans, he'll make your thoughts agree with his will, and you will be successful. Your plans will be established. Why? Because what he wants is the same thing that you want. What you want is what he wants. Why wouldn't he bless you and increase you? You're, on the, you're in line. Does that make sense? I know it does. I don't know why I asked you. Goes back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Recreated in Christ Jesus, made to do good works, which he predestined and planned beforehand, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life, say good life, good life. living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Verse 8 in John 15 says, Show that or so that you show that you are my followers by producing much fruit. This will bring honor to my father. We should be expecting harvest. I'm telling you to expect harvest. And listen, as we conclude it, this is the way that you should see it. Expect harvest. Expect harvest in your life. 
Expect harvest in your assignment. Expect harvest in this ministry. Be looking for harvest. When you expect harvest, not only are you looking for it, but you make room for it. You make way for it. You understand what I'm saying? You make way for the harvest. If you expect like, so Tuesday, we got some furniture coming in. That furniture that y'all heard about in the family conference. It's supposed to be delivered on Tuesday. We're expecting furniture. I'm expecting furniture. So let me tell you one thing that you won't see. You will not see clutter and stuff. You won't see old furniture in a place that I'm expecting new furniture to go. My expectation is more than my want. My expectation produces some actions that show I'm expecting furniture. What I'm saying to you is harvest, expecting harvest is not just a want to. Your expectation for harvest should show up in some actions. You acting like harvest come. You making room for harvest to come. You're setting things up so that harvest is coming. I believe harvest is coming, so I need a new I might need to find a new bank and a banker and I need to build a relationship with a lawyer and a, I need to get a look. I need to study trust funds and these I'm expecting harvest to come. So I'm acting in a way like harvest is coming because what's going to happen if harvest show up and there is no worker? Harvest dies on the vine. So what am I saying to you? What am I saying to you? Harvest is coming. You agree with that? So we need to pray workers. We need to pray for workers. Well, what is a worker? A worker is, is not just a follower. What Jesus took his disciples through this process where they became followers. They started just following him, just coming to see. When he left them, when he left them, they were doing the same work he was doing. He says, I once, I once called you something. I can't remember what he said. I once called you, he called him something. I once called you disciples or something like that. But now I call you friends. What's the progression? The progression is you went from being someone who was just showing up to follow me. But now God told Abraham, a friend is one who knows what I'm doing. The friend is the one who I got a plan and I tell my friend the plan so that we I'm not doing this by myself, but me and my friend doing this together. Amen. So what is the worker? The worker is the disciple that's disciplined him or herself to the point that I'm not just here to see what's happening, but I'm here to be a part of what's happening. I'm not just here to, to pray and pray for a harvest, but I'm here to work in this harvest. My expectation is moved from a want to till I've made provision for the harvest that's coming in. That's where we are. That's where we are. Stand on your feet. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.